Hello and welcome to the Bridge City Church podcast. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church or come along to our Sunday service at 10am. We'd love to have a coffee and a chat. We hope you enjoy this week's message. See you at church. everyone and welcome this morning to church um, and it's an absolute pleasure to join you this morning online uh, what a week it has been for us hey um, I think that in these uncertain times technology has been such an aid for us so we can really still uh, be unified uh, at the end of the week and come together as a community to to uh, share what God has done in our lives and what he's speaking to us about. So I'm very, very thankful that I'm able to share with you this morning um, that something God has um, put on my heart. So I'm very, very excited. Uh, don't let the fact that we're not there in person this morning bother you. Don't let it be a stumbling block for you. Uh, we are still a church and we're still a community uh, with the one vision and and the one hope. So um, see this as an opportunity to take it a little bit slower this morning and to um, maybe have some more time in your own, own individual prayer and worship um, after and before this this message. So. So hello, if I haven't met you before, my name is Naomi. I'm on the leadership team here at Bridge City Church and this morning I'm going to bring you something that God has put on my heart to share with you. Um, I was actually going to preach on the grace of God and his mercy for us and how sometimes we downplay some of the things that um, Jesus has done for us. But God really dropped something else in my heart to share with you this morning. And so I know that what I'm about to speak about is something that he wants our church to consider. Um, and it's definitely something that has been uh, useful for me, especially in this last week where we've seen a lot of things changing for our state. So I'm just going to pray and then we'll get into what it is I'm going to share about so Father, I just ask this morning that in all of the uh, hearts of the people watching that you will join us, that you will be with us, that you'll connect us together, bind us together with the hope and the vision and the love that you have placed in this church, Lord. And we thank you for technology so we're able to come together despite um, altering uh, circumstances. And we just thank you that uh, we have this freedom this morning. Today, Lord, I just ask that you uh, say the words through me. Lord, I just come to you as someone who is a sinner and who is someone who struggles with things every day. And so, Lord, I just pray that this morning in the message, I'm not at all um, coming from my own flesh, but from your Holy Spirit, Lord. Thank you that you're faithful to us and that you empower us and that you love us beyond our comprehension. Thank you that you will never ever leave us or forsake us. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, God really imparted to me what it is that I should be speaking about actually yesterday. Um, and it was just through dropping a single word into my heart and, um, and it was the word disappointment. And 
the word disappointment is so, uh, I think, prevalent in our attitude today and not just us, our church, but our whole of humanity, really. Um, we have a lot of people who are disappointed in in the government. We have a lot of people disappointed in our healthcare systems and in uh, things we thought were foolproof, uh, showing that they're not. Uh, we are disappointed in each other um, in a time where there is so much division in um, whether you believe one thing or another, there seems to be more hate for the other these days. Uh, if you uh, disagree with somebody, you're seen perhaps as such a deviant that you couldn't possibly be someone who could have a relationship with you. So <clears throat> I feel at this stage in history, we really do see a lot of disappointment around us constantly. We're also really disappointed in ourselves with the lockdowns and uh, issues pertaining to COVID. Uh, I think I've, I've, well, I've noticed that there's a lot of people who feel strongly about how they've spent their lockdown and sometimes it's been a disappointment in themselves or disappointment in parenting or in how they've been working. So disappointment is all around us at the moment and I really felt God just drop that word into my heart and just say to me that I want you to talk about it and so that is what I'm going to be doing this morning. Um, and when that word dropped into my heart, I couldn't help but think about the main famed role of disappointment in the Bible. And that kind of runs concurrent to the theme of this time of year. Um, and that is when Jesus entered the world and the, the surrounding disappointment that came um, from his birth, uh, probably more so from the Pharisees. But um there was disappointment in that process and, you know, we can see this in, in th all the way through the Bible. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to show you what it looked like and to really uh, define it so that we can look at what we can do when we are facing uh, disappointment. So we read about the prophecies leading up to the birth of Jesus. So I just wanted to mention Isaiah, Micah and Zechariah. So Isaiah wrote in about 750 BC, um, he said, See my servant, so this is Jesus, see my servant will act wisely. He'll be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle or help or heal many nations. And then we have Micah who wrote in 700 BC, which is about 50 years later. But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Uh, and then lastly, we have Zechariah who writes, <clears throat> Listen, O high priest Joshua and your associates seated before you. You are men symbolic of things to come. I'm going to bring my servant to the branch. See the stone I have set in front of Joshua and I'll remove the sin of this land in a single day. So to give you some context of these prophecies, I just wanted to show you this timeline. And I want to credit Ragnar Oborn for this, um, who had put this together. But as you can see, the prophecies of Jesus took place around um, 500 to 750 years before his actual coming. 
So <clears throat> as you can see at the very beginning here of the timeline, um, <clears throat> we have Isaiah here, uh, Micah shortly after and Zechariah at about 500 BC. So uh, all the way down the other end in the yellow is Jesus's birth there and his death. And um, you've got the tiny little bit of uh, time where uh, Jews are sent into world wild, wild, worldwide exile. Bit of a tongue twister there. So this timeline is really, really useful to see the context, the timing of these prophecies. Um, so we can see that generations were waiting and hoping to see this Christ, this Saviour. And um, through the prophecies, the language of it, so raised and lifted up, highly exalted, ruler over all of Israel, <clears throat> the one who removed the sin of this land, this language really gives us the impression, the reader or the, or the hearer of this, of this information, that glory and riches and power and force and saving was going to take place in the, in the, in the visiting of this, of this Jesus, of this Christ. So it's easy to, even as readers now, we, we can imagine this amazing angel of the Lord coming down with lots of glory and splendor and inarguably a wonderful power. Um, but we know because we've, we have the um, benefit of hindsight that Jesus didn't come in that way. He didn't come with all that uh, hoo-ha and that wonderful um, ceremony, but he came in a very humble way. Um, but going back to the timeline, I wanted just to point out also the historical con context and the political context of this, of this issue. Um, so at, we can see at the end of the period in which Jesus came that the people of Israel were living under um, Alexander the Great and the Roman Empire. Um, and it had been about 600 years since Israelites had been independent and had a unique identity with their land and, and space. And so when we, what we know about um, national identity um, is that it can really affect people's mental health and it can affect how they operate in society when uh, they don't have their own identity. And, and from the timeline, we can really see that, you know, for about 600 years, um, it, the people had been um, living in exile in Babylon or then living within the Persian Empire and then post-Alexander the Great Empire and then the Roman Empire before being exiled world worldwide. So uh, this is also then has this political national identity context that's really important. People wanted, they wanted to be free. They wanted to be free from other countries and cultures infiltrating their their, their group their their uh, identity they wanted to have a standalone king they wanted to have that savior or that that figurehead that would define who they are so it goes beyond just uh, waiting for a religious savior but they're also wanting that that identity that national uh, figurehead and they really tied that together with the the waiting for the Messiah that um, pro the prophets wrote about in the Old Testament. So religious leaders were keeping an eye out during this time. They were waiting with bated breath to find out, you know, when this Messiah, this Saviour was going to come to the people. 
Uh, Micah writes about this longing in uh, Micah chapter 7 verse 7 saying, But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. So even 700 years prior to Jesus' coming, when Micah was writing his um, his prophecies down, uh, the Israelites were really eagerly waiting for that Saviour. They were really waiting for Jesus to come. So it's not just a an immediate um, birth of this Saviour. It is something that has taken a long, long time to occur. And to put that into perspective in our own modern day times, it is like someone from January in 1322 writing about something that we are experiencing now. It is a completely different uh, environment. It's multiple generations um, and it's a very, very long time. So that is the context of this waiting, of this um, just this, this bated breath uh, context of just... Uh, eagerly eagerly looking around work trying to work out what ceremony or religious um, processes uh, we should be doing to encourage this savior uh, how do we wait what does it look like so these people were really really eager to see the messiah come to earth um, but as we know with hindsight that when jesus did come um, it was very humbly um, as we read about in Luke 2 verse 7, um, it talks about how Jesus came into the world. It says, uh, she gave birth to her firstborn a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Uh, I'd listened to a podcast by someone who had been to Israel and Bethlehem and had been um, at the place where they believed Jesus was born. And they said, um, taking into account Jewish culture, uh, it would have been a cave that Mary was uh, giving birth in. Uh, chances are she was very young. She would have been about 15 or 16. Um, and she would have been birthing Jesus alone. Because in Jewish culture, the act of birth is, a, is an unclean process. And so she would have been alone in a dark cave not knowing what was going to happen, um, being uncertain about everything that the angel told her when she was pregnant with Jesus. And it would have been a very painful, scary time. Definitely not glorious and with lots of splendor and riches and power as perhaps we would have expected, but with a lot of humility and with humanness in there. Um, even Nazareth, where um, Joseph and Mary was from, was regarded as a bit of a hole. Um, Nathaniel said this in John 1, 46, um, where he asked, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So, so Nazareth itself was not a place for the king of the world to be entering into humanity. Um, it wasn't very appropriate or expected. So it was extremely humble. And obviously, without the fanfare and the splendor and the glory, the Pharisees were sure that Jesus was not, in fact, the Son of God. And they questioned him publicly with a lot of suspicion. To backtrack a little bit, the Pharisees of the Bible were the religious leaders of the time. They were really um, given the job of working as a layperson between God and man. They were very well learned um, in terms of the scripture. 
They were um, they knew all of the sacrificial processes and the purification processes that were required to for somebody to come to God. And they often saw themselves as set apart from people. So remembering that in this day and age that we're talking about, a lot of people were illiterate. A lot of people couldn't read. They, they, they didn't understand um, things that uh, perhaps we may have ha had easier time uh, understanding. Um, the Bible wasn't complete, but people were not sure. And they, and they relied on the Pharisees to tell them what to do in order to be close to God, to be seen in a, in a righteous way in God's sight. And so in this way, the Pharisees really saw themselves as kind of like that bridge between man and God, which as we know is what Jesus is. But the Pharisees then obviously saw Jesus as a threat. Um, they looked at him with suspicion and they would, um, and they would question him publicly. They would bring sin to him and ask him, what would you do to try and find out how best to dismantle this man uh, from their religious uh, context. Uh, we all know about the Pharisees, a lot of us know about the Pharisees and we have a very strong idea of the kind of people that they were. Um, and we can see the hardness of their hearts when they dealt with Jesus. They were so suspicious of him, they didn't see the good he was doing. But I not only see hard-heartedness hard here, but I also see disappointment. In the Pharisees' behaviour, when they interacted with, with Jesus, I see this disappointment that if this is the Son of God, this is not at all what we expected of this holy God. We did, did not expect this person from a very low socioeconomic area. He was born into a non-royal family without any kind of announcement or fanfare, could possibly be our saviour. And I see this this disappointment in how they dealt with him and so much disappointment in the fact they didn't even notice what he was doing for the people around him. I imagine that they would have expected the Messiah to thank them publicly and to join them and to acknowledge them in front of everybody in what a wonderful job they'd been doing in the meantime, between being a bridge between man and God. Uh, but Jesus, as we know, Jesus didn't do that. Jesus questioned them and treated with them with contempt. In fact, he even uh, constructed in the um, books of Matthew and Luke the woes of the Pharisees, where all of the problems with the Pharisees were written out in uh, great detail and where we can see why Jesus had contempt for these religious leaders. And I feel a lot of empathy for them because humans are humans we we are the same natured as as the pharisees we're the same nature as the people who walked with jesus we are human too we are not a different species and we're not uh, any better but we are human and i believe the pharisees and the religious leaders of the time began their journey with wonderful intentions with the intentions of helping people who could not understand scripture, who could not read, and who did not have that ability to uh, have in place the correct sacrificial processes and purification processes in order to pray to God. I believe it began with good intentions, but I believe it got out of hand. And that when the real Messiah came, when Jesus came, the Pharisees could not see it. 
because they were so disappointed. They were so disappointed in the expectation not being met when this wonderful Messiah came. And so I do feel empathy for the Pharisees because I could be just as bad. Uh, I'm a human too and I have expectations that aren't met in life and I'm at, at risk of also not seeing what's before me. Jesus' ministry, as we know, was characterised not by the law, but by tenderness and grace. And this is a cornerstone of this whole issue with the Pharisees and Jesus. Previously, before Jesus' coming, uh, empathy and tenderness and grace were not part of the religious uh, dialogue. When you were religious or if in the religious process, there was absolutely no room for tenderness or grace or a second chance. You had one chance and that was all. So for Jesus to come and to, to display those characteristics and for his whole ministry to actually embody those things was very confronting for the Pharisees to see and again, uh, failed their expectations of what the Messiah would do. And we can see evidence of this tenderness and grace in Philippians chapter 2, where it says, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And this is such a wonderful uh, chunk of text that just encompasses who Jesus is. He is in the form of God. He is God. But he did not count equality with God, something to be um, grasped, something to be just in reach. But he emptied himself of his God-likeness and humbled himself to become a servant, a human and to struggle like humans do, um, to be found in human form. And he was showed great obedience even to the point of death, even death on a cross. And we know death on a cross, the crucifixions were um, carried out for people who were criminals. And so even in his death, didn't have a, a fitting death for a king. He had a death fitting up for a criminal. And even in that, in that process of death, he showed his humbleness and his humility and tenderness for the human race. That he would um, disregard all of his godlike qualities to be characterized by humbleness, to, to show us love in action. It is just absolutely amazing. And we see this amazing, beautiful Jesus, um, but the Pharisees didn't. And it's, a, it's very, very sad. Jesus came also because uh, God did not want to make people submissive. He, God didn't want to force people into faith by power, shows of power, but into tenderness and grace and mercy. By the kindness of God, uh, we, are, we are brought to, to conviction. Uh, we see this in the way Jesus washed the, the disciples' feet in John. Um, and we also see this in Matthew when he said, Come to me, all who labour and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's such tenderness and there's such humility in the ministry of Jesus um, that is just so beautiful. But this brings um, 
this brings also with the beauty this brings a lot of sadness for the pharisees because a lot of them didn't see it um, because of their disappointment because jesus's coming didn't meet their expectation for the pharisees and this is such a wonderful lesson for us that there are expectations in our lives that are never going to be fulfilled and we don't get what we want a lot of the time and i think in the week that we've just had uh, in the holiday that we've just had in Christmas time, I think it's even more important to, to consider. And uh, to be completely honest with you, I looked back on Christmas this year and I just thought it would have been so nice if we didn't have to worry about COVID, if we weren't constantly looking out for symptoms leading up to Christmas because we didn't want to have to cancel everything and have to notify all of our family that Christmas is cancelled. It would have been lovely to be able to do that and to have a Christmas that I feel we all deserve after such a gruelling couple of years. You know, our church has been through a lot lately um, with the death of our lovely Pastor Vic um, and with changes happening and with the pressure of COVID. You know, our church has been through a lot and I, and I would have loved that we all had a wonderful Christmas where we didn't have grief and we didn't have anxiety or worry. Uh, but we didn't get that. Okay, this is a, a good example of some of the disappointments that can happen in our lives. And I, and I know that you probably all have disappointments that have occurred for your own lives, um, as we as we all do. The beautiful ministry of Jesus in this example of the Pharisees and their relationship with Jesus. This ministry of tenderness and grace that was revolutionary and would have changed their lives and saved them was lost on them because of the expectations leading them to disappointment in who Jesus was. Their disappointment shrouded their view and shrouded their vision so they couldn't see what was in front of them. Um, and as a result, they themselves didn't enter the kingdom of heaven. They themselves weren't saved. And we can see that in the, um, the apostles' account of the woes of the Pharisees. They themselves didn't gain from Jesus the grace, love and acceptance that their soul and their spirit was craving. They had their hands fixed so tightly around their idea of Jesus that they didn't let go so that God could deposit a gift into their lives and to save them. And I feel very strongly about that for us as a church as well. You know, as I said before, I'm human, we're human. We're the same as people in Bible days. We have anxieties and we have um, joyful days. We are connected to each other and have relationships. Um, and we are social creatures and enjoy fellowship. And we also are people who want a leader and we want a God. We have that God-shaped hole in our hearts. And that's something that doesn't change with over time, over centuries. And because of that, we could also find ourselves like the Pharisees where we could have very strong ideas of the way things should be, that we are holding on so very tight to that, that we will find ourselves holding the idea instead of opening our hands and allowing God to do the work that he wants to do in us, allowing him to put in our hands things that we might not have seen in front of us because we're so focused on the disappointment that's shrouding our vision, that's blocking our vision. And so I just want to encourage you this morning that whatever's happening at the moment that is disappointing to you, don't be discouraged. 
don't allow that disappointment to shroud your vision and, and to affect how you see the world and how you are noticing God all around you. Don't let that disappointment characterize your every waking moment because it will create discouragement in you and you won't be able to see what God has done and God will do amazing things. He will do amazing things in that walk that you take outside. He'll do amazing things in the conversations and the connections you have with family during this time of slowing down and, um, and uh, isolating a little bit. You know, God is there when you have that conversation with the person at the checkout. He's there when you're gardening and you're in nature. You know, everything he created is right there speaking of his love for you. And so there's always something to be grateful for. There's always something to, to notice, even in our disappointment. And we can see this in the Bible in James. One of my favorite verses, chapter 1, 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So that says, our God is unchanging and he gives us good things. Um, but beyond that, it says, our God is unchanging and every good thing is from him. There's no accidental good things. And we have a lot of good things that happen to us, even in our disappointments, even in the things that have been really hard and we have been discouraged. There have been good things that have happened to us. I believe that we can all find something and that is God's touch, his touch on our lives. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Um, so this is saying it is God's will that we are thankful. And finally in Acts 24 verse 3, in every way and everywhere we accept this with all gratitude. Again, gratitude. We can allow disappointment to discourage us or we can allow disappointment to show us where there is something to be thankful for, where we can see the touch of God on our lives. And so that's my message to you this morning is, is about disappointment. Don't be like the Pharisees, those poor Pharisees that were so anxious for things to happen the way they always did and the way they had envisioned uh, along the, the lines of the law. Don't be like them, but to be like those lowly, humble people who saw Jesus and they saw what he did and they rejoiced and they uh, could connect with him and they followed him and they and they gave away everything they had and so that is my prayer for you that we hold our lives with open hands that we don't allow disappointment to make us cling to our expectations but to to hold our lives in open palms so that God can give us things that he is wanting to teach us and I believe when we live this way that there are no wasted days there is no wasted experience. There is no wasted argument or disagreement or uh, there's no wasted anger even. That there is always a teachable moment that God is just waiting for us to meet him, to acknowledge him and to ask him what it is that we can learn from this um, from this day and this, this uh, situation. So that is my prayer for you today, church. I hope that you 
enjoy this message. I hope the Holy Spirit spoke to you this morning. Um, I'm going to pray now. And um, I really do hope that the rest of your week is uh, fulfilling and peaceful and uh, rich with God's love and grace. Uh, take some time this week to be still and to open your Bible and just to let the Holy Spirit talk to your heart uh, without any distraction. Allow yourself to take that time this week um, and I'd love to talk to you when we meet again next with what he's spoken to you about. So I'll pray for you and then uh, we'll finish the, the service. Thank you, Father, for the God that you are. We are just so thankful that you are faithful and you are tender and you're graceful and loving. You're full of mercy for everybody and you love what is right, but you compel us to conviction with your kindness. Father, we just want to be like you. We want to walk like you and we don't want disappointment when things don't size up to our expectations. We don't want that to to be a stumbling block for us. We want to walk the way you walked so closely with God that you are like one. And that's what we pray today, Lord, that your church will see disappointment as not something to stop us from seeing what's right in front of us. Thank you, Father, for this church. Thank you for everything that you've taught us. And we pray for everybody uh, listening that as they go about their week this week, that you are walking with them and that your Holy Spirit is speaking to them constantly. Father, I just ask that you prompt each and every one of these people listening to be still before you to this week and let your Holy Spirit speak to them and lead them. I thank you for each and every one listening this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this morning. Uh, I thank you for all of your support and uh, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure you subscribe to stay up to date with all our latest sermons. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church or come along to our Sunday service at 10am. 